0: As we begin this morning, I wanted to make mention of something I've made mention a couple of of times before. Uh, Jennifer Nelson and some other ladies have found these little sermon notes for kids templates. And I think that's just great. And I hope that if you have young children that are able to remain during the worship hour, uh, that they can grab one of those or just any piece of paper and and take notes as they go along. I, I know most of, or a lot of you adults i like to do that with your handout, but that's a special thing. If you don't know where those notes are for the kids, they're just back there at the information booth. As we begin uh, today, I want to remind you not just of where we are today, but also where we've been in 2016. Our theme is Strong and Courageous, and we have let that uh, passage from Joshua 1, which Brad just read Uh, be the foundation, the cornerstone for what we're going to talk about all of 2016. Now, it's easy to look at this story of Joshua and the Israelites and the transition that they were going through and say, well, that was just something for them. That was something that applied just to their situation. But indeed, as we look at it, hopefully we're understanding more and more that those principles were written for our teaching and for our example, that they are there, that, that they might remind us of what happened then, but the, still the God that we serve today. We have much reason to be strong and courageous, to not be afraid. The verse that we are basing this all off of is Joshua 1, chapter 9, <clears throat> 1, verse 9, where God says to Joshua, "'Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous?' Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. In this series, we are looking at four unchanging principles. And so far, we've looked at, first, you have to be both strong and courageous. You have to have a good defense as well as a good offense. You have to know where you belong, but you have to also know where God is taking you. Last week we said you have to stick to the book, stick to God's word, stick to God's plan. And uh, so far, truly as a family, you've been doing a great job. You say, how do you know that? Are you you peeking in our windows and checking up on us? No, you've been posting your own pictures of our current Bible series, Bible reading plan, rather, is Northside 90 days. And many of you have been sharing Pictures of you and your families going through this 90 day challenge. If you're not aware what the Northside 90 day plan is, it is our commitment as a congregation to read through the entire New Testament in 90 days, which works out to be about two, three chapters every day. And we're encouraging everyone to be involved with that. Now, I know there are many of you that are daily Bible readers and have your own plan, and that's fine, too. The point is we want everyone to be committed to not just hearing the book a couple of times a week, but reading the book and understanding the book and, most importantly, applying the words of the book. Here's Aaron Shady as he is going through the daily Bible reading. He took up a little Bible drawing class of his own and sketched out. Uh, from Mark chapter 2 is the story of Jesus healing, healing the paralyzed man. I love his little emoticons there. he got smiley faces and sad faces and <laughs> surprised faces. He's doing a good job. Well done, Aaron. And uh, I don't know about you, but I, if I'm going to do any sort of 90-day Bible reading plan, I really want Gary Phelps' plan. <laughs> this is just proof. You can still go on vacation and keep up with the 90 Day plan. That is, that is fantastic. Of course, we love family pictures. Here's Sophie, Will, and Seth Tyson engaging in their Bible reading for the week as they go through. Here's Jack Allen and Luke Zikafus. So well done to all of you. Today is day number 15, which if you're keeping track is 16% of the way done. So we are into it far enough where hopefully you have the habit down. Uh, but there are some of you that are looking at me. You're kind of not making eye contact. I know, I know, I know. You, you're not sure. You, you, you missed out. You weren't too excited. Didn't know what all this is about. Now here you are, day 15, and you haven't even started. I want you to know, I give you my blessing to go ahead and start today. Our, our last picture was of Luke Zikofu. So let's just start with Luke. We're starting in Luke today. You can start today. Just jump right in at day number 15 and just keep going. Let's get started. And to, st- to uh, get us on this track, I've, I've got us some bracelets. Now, the only people that can see this is my mom on the front row. But everybody else, what I'm holding here is a little rubber bracelet. And it says, hashtag Northside90days. And as you leave worship today, we have some volunteers from the loft class that will stand posted at each door with little boxes of these bracelets. We'd like everyone to take a bracelet. We've got size. The size that I'm, I have is called One Size Fits Most. And we also have some children's sizes. So if you've got young children and they're doing it, get one of those. Just ask for that when you go out the door. But hopefully this little bracelet will do a couple of things. Number one, you'll wear it, and each day you'll see it. And you'll think to yourself, have I done my Bible reading today? Whether that's your own plan or whether that's the 90-day plan, you look at it and you think, have I done my Bible reading today? Secondly, when you do it, when you read through your Bible reading for that day, what I want you to do is simply take that bracelet off, and I want you to put it on the other hand. Reward yourself and just move it from one hand to the other. Now This is by design. This will help you get in the habit. And so move it from one hand to the other. And I don't know if this third thing will happen or not, but maybe an unintended consequence is a coworker, a friend, a family member, a neighbor. We'll see that Northside 90 days and we'll ask you, hey, what's that all about? And you have an opportunity to give a reason for the hope that you have why you're committed as a Norsider, or even if you're a guest today, you're welcome to join into, to being people of the book. So I want to encourage you in that, even though we're into it, if you haven't started, get started now, open your book to Joshua chapter one, Joshua chapter one. verses 8 and 9 we're going to read this these words from the english standard version this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do all according to all that is written in it then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Now, if you're getting, just now getting there, we're in verse 9 of Joshua 1. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now, as a believer, I believe that. But there are, have been many times in my life when I waffled a little. When I believed in God, I just wasn't sure if he was with me, really with me. And I thought I would tell you a story about that, but then I thought, no, I'm going to tell that story tonight. If you want to hear that story, I come back tonight at 6 o'clock, and we'll tell you about my story when I wondered. But I think as people of faith, we all come back to that point eventually. We come to this point where we have to ask ourselves, do we really Believe what God says. That was true for Shemua, Shaphat, Caleb, Ilgal, Hashi, Palti, Gaudi, Elgadi, Amiel, Sethir, Nabi, and Goul. Well, you guys may not know them, but they too came to a fork in the road. A moment of decision where they had to decide who God was and who they were. And if those two understandings could have a meeting. Now, the story of those 12 gentlemen is told in Numbers chapter 13. If you're in your Bibles, you want to turn there. They had to decide whether they were going to be a people of fear or people of faith. When we think of the great people of faith, whether we're reading Hebrews chapter 11 or we're reading about Caleb and Joshua or we're reading about David or we're reading about Moses or we're reading about Paul, All people of faith come to this moment, this decision point, where they had to decide, where they had to take action, where they had to let the rubber hit the road and get moving. Now, if you're in Numbers chapter 13, we're going to look at verse 1. Here is what God says to the spies. As they prepare to go into Canaan, the Lord said to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, for which I am giving note that which I am giving to the Israelites. God had already had in mind many, many years before this moment that Israel was going to have the land of Canaan. In fact, they had been to this very point, this very moment, this very fork in the road 40 years prior. And now, and now, I'm sorry, this is 40 years prior, and now at this moment they have to decide who are they going to be? Skip down to verse 17. Of of numbers 13, when Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he said, go through the Negev, on into the hill country, see what the land is like and whether the people who live there are they strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees in it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. Verse 25 says, At the end of 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. Here they are, these 12 men, who have to make a full report. And here's what they say. They say the land is good. It's it's fertile land, big trees, lots of fruit. In fact, The scripture describes that they had to carry a single cluster of grapes. It took two men carrying a pole. You will not find these kind of grapes at your local Dillon's, okay? These were some serious uh, amounts of fruit, and it was an unbelievable find. It was good land, very fruitful, very productive. The problem was the people were huge. Battle tested. You can believe that there was a good land. Lots of people wanted that land, but there were people already inhabiting it who were going to hold it, and the cities were strong. And they ask if it's a walled city or a fortified city. What they're asking there is is there any weakness? Is there any chink in the armor for us to be able to go in and take this land? And the report, unfortunately, at least from 10 of them, is that all of these things come down to one point. We can't do it. Have you ever been there? Have you ever come to a point where God said, man, this is a good opportunity, whether it's a business opportunity, something in your family, some some sort of a blessing that God wanted you to have. You came up on the edge of it, and it looked too good to be true, and therefore it couldn't have been true. God Didn't know what he was doing. He brought us to the wrong land. You see that the people are too big. The the cities are too strong and fortified. We've got a problem because when we come to this conclusion, what's going to happen when you follow the path of fear is you're going to wander. Wander. And uh, indeed, God will tell them later, you're going to wander for 40 years, one year for every day you went exploring. God didn't say, go and make a report about the land so that you can figure out if you can do it. From verse 1, it seems to be telling us, God sent them into the land to report back how good the land was that God was giving them. And they believed that the land was good, but they didn't believe God was good. I'm not sure if you've ever been there or not, but there are these points when we must decide whether we believe in the promises of God and the person of God. The question is, what kind of person are you going to be? I'm not sure if in this today, right now, you're facing such a position, such an understanding that that as you come to worship and you think, man, I, maybe I could do this. Maybe God wants me here. Maybe maybe God does want this. Maybe I believe the promises of his book or not. But if you're not here today, you'll be there someday. Now, Israel, by the way, wasn't always called Israel. They were named Israel because of their patriarch, a man by the name of Jacob. And I want Jacob Jacob, not the original Jacob, but Jacob Herman, to come here this morning. He's going to represent us. Now, Jacob is a smart guy, intelligent, good looking, uh, got everything in the world going for him. And yet, there are going to be times in life when Jacob has a decision to make, when he has a blessing and an opportunity in front of him, and yet, Standing between he and that blessing are going to be an enemy or an obstacle. And we need an enemy or an obstacle to come here, Bill. Now, Jacob is looking over to the land of Canaan. He sees it's a good land. (laughs) But he's just got one problem. He's got to get through Bill to get there. Jacob, what do you think about this? I'll just stand back. You go ahead and handle it. Now, for people of faith, all the time, we come to church, yes, we're excited, yes, we believe in God, yes, we believe his book. And then we step in the world and we go, oh, the world is bad, oh, it's going to be terrible. And the news tells us that the things are good or things are bad. The newspapers tell us it's all going terribly. We have so many reasons to be worried and afraid. You can't do it. And here we are, little Jacob. What God must continually remind his people is that it's not about their size it's not about the size or the strength of the enemies it's about him. I, I need someone to come here and, and please don't take this the wrong way. I just need someone to picture come up here, Charles, if you will help me picture what God does for Israel, for Jacob. For us today, what he's telling Israel is that when you go into that land, I want you to take it. Go ahead and come, up, come here behind your boy, man. Do you understand what, what, what's happening here? God is saying it's not about him. It's not about you. When you're with me, there's nothing you can't do. And this was the spirit of Caleb and Joshua. Uh, guys, thank you so much. Hop down gently. I don't want to injure you here. Thank you. we got to remember not just who our enemies are, not wonder because of our own size, because of our own strength, but we have to follow the, the path of Joshua and Caleb who said, yes, the land is good. Yes, the people are strong. But here's the thing. We cannot do it. But God absolutely can. When we begin to focus on our strength and the size of the enemy, we are missing the point. When God leads you to a good thing, trust not only that it is good, but that he is good. Now, if you're still in numbers, look at chapter 14 and look at verses six through nine. This is how. Caleb and Joshua report. First, I'm going to read them in chapter 13, verse 30. Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. Why? Because Caleb's so awesome, because his strength is amazing, his intelligence, his gifts. No! Because it's the God who led them to that point. And look at Joshua now in chapter 14, verses 6 through 9. Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. But but highlight this, underlight this, pay attention, verse 8. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and he will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Jacob, tell him, Charles, hey, don't worry about it. I got this. Don't worry. I'll handle it. That's what they wanted to do. And Caleb saying, no, we need his help now more than ever. Verse nine, do not rebel against the Lord. Do not be afraid of the people of this land. Because we will swallow them up. Their protection is gone. But the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. Now Caleb's promise is speaking directly to us. When we come to a point where we have to decide. We, not, we need to focus not on our abilities or our strength. But we need to focus on his abilities and his strength. Our biggest enemy in this battle of fear versus faith, of can't versus can, of wandering versus winning, the biggest enemy is not the Canaanites. Our biggest enemy is fear. That has always been the enemy for people of faith. Fear keeps you from knowing God's victory. It keeps you from understanding God's promise. Fear keeps you from where God wants you to be. Turn to Matthew chapter 14. Let's go to a, a New Testament story. Same circumstances, same situation, but different uh, and and same lessons, just differently applied. Look at Matthew chapter 14, verses 25 through 31. Now, in your Bibles, it probably says something about Jesus walking on the water. That's not what the story's about. Chapter 14, verses 25 through 31. The scripture there reads, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. Get it? There's terror. And they said, it's a ghost, and cried out in what? Fear. Fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I He even reminds him, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come out to you on the water. And I kind of think Jesus just stands back and smiles like he's eating a banana sideways and says, all right. Come. And so Peter gets down out of the boat walks on water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And he began to sink. Lord, save me, he cried out. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, why did you doubt? You see, it was faith that led Peter out onto the water. And as he walked with Jesus, it was fear that sunk him. It was losing focus on Jesus, losing faith in the one who called him, and being overwhelmed by fear. And we can pick on the apostles But let's turn a mirror on ourselves for a second. You've been there? When God calls you to obediently do His will, He says, don't be afraid. He told Peter and the apostles, you'll do greater things than these. And yet we, like Peter, get focused on the wind. The wind when we go to the... The boss calls us in and hands us a pink slip that we weren't expecting. The, the wind when we get home to our family and we realize that we've been neglecting them and our spouse is ready to leave us. The, the wind when we go to the doctor and we get a report of something we weren't expecting. The, the wind when you are afraid and alone and beside yourself with fear. Don't focus on the wind. Focus on the one who made the wind. Focus on the one who called you out of the boat. And don't let it overwhelm you with fear. When was the last time you obeyed and got out of the boat? When was the last time you trusted him enough to step your foot in unsure territory? The best answer is always faith, trusting God. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Remember in verse 1 of Numbers chapter 13, he tells them, have I not commanded you? What's he saying there? It was I that led you out of Egypt. It was I that called you up the mountain. It was I that made you and formed you and knit you together. And you don't trust me. You don't trust in me. I've always been. You had a beginning day and someday you'll have an ending day and God will surpass both of them. He was before all things and in him all things were knit together, including you. He knows you better than you know yourself before a word is on your tongue. He knows it completely. The Psalms say he is the one that for most of us saved you in in waters like this. He did all of that and you're not going to trust him now. That's what he says to Joshua when he says, have I not commanded you? He made the entire universe and everything in it from nothing. Trust me, he can take care of you. So now comes sort of the audience interpretation of the moment. If you're filling it out, I want you to answer the question, why don't you trust him more than you do? Those reasons are going to be different for everyone. It all depends on your story. Perhaps there are some here who are not even believers. You're not not even a Christian. You're not even sure if God exists. I want you to write down your answers too. Because everyone's got a different story. But let me tell you, whatever you write down, I want you to put that in his hands. I want you to take a step of faith, believe that he exists, and not only that he exists, but that he cares. For me, why don't we trust him? I'm not sure. Maybe you don't know him. Maybe you have control issues. Maybe you're just afraid. Maybe you're a fearful person. The reason I want you to write it down is what we often fear most often reveals where we trust God the least. The story was told this morning about the widow giving her might. And I think about How courageous and brave she was to give everything she had to live on. What she's saying with the small copper coin, as she lays it down, you can barely hear it it clinking in the treasury. Soft as a whisper, but strong as anything we might ever know, her faith inspires us today. I think, could I do that? I can't do that. I I have control issues, and I I surely think a lot of times that my security lies in how much I've saved for retirement. No, her faith was far greater than mine. I'm not sure where your area of faith is struggling, but I can tell you this. You read it from cover to cover, from Genesis all the way to maps, and just think about it. Not once not once does the book ever say, stress over it. Not once does the book ever say, worry about it. Not wor- once does the book ever say, better have a good plan in mind to make it happen. But over and over and over again, the book says, trust me, trust me, trust me. Don't be afraid, but trust. Trust in him who leads the way. So how do we do it? Number one, we've got to stop living in fear we have to stop letting CNN and Fox News and MSNBC guiding what we think about and and projecting every sort of fear now this is just an example i remember several years ago when gas price of oil was going up 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 boy it was just Approaching three, four dollars a gallon and the world is afraid. What are we going to do? It's going to double and we're all overcome with fear. And now the price of oil is going down, is dropping and everybody's saying, man, look how low it's going. And what are the news stories? Oh, it's going to be terrible. It's going down. Now it's going down. Everything's going to fall apart. You see, that's the point. They just need you to pay attention, and the best way they can get you to pay attention is to make you afraid. And people of God, there's always things to be afraid of, regardless of what the price of anything is. God needs you to trust him and to stop letting fear overwhelm your thoughts and your life. Don't be frightened at your abilities or your inabilities or at the size of your enemies or the size of you. Don't be dismayed at your struggles and your trials and your difficulties. God's still God. He's still got this. And if you're with him, so do you. Turn to Psalm chapter 114. I love this Psalm because it talks about The sea and the mountains and the earth and everything in it. But what are they all doing? Pay attention. When Israel came out of Egypt, the house of Jacob from a people of a foreign tongue, Judah became God's sanctuary, Israel his dominion. The sea looked and fled. The Jordan turned back. The mountains skipped like rams. The hills like lambs. Why was it, O sea, that you fled? O Jordan, that you turned back? You mountains that skip like rams? You hills like lambs? Tremble, O earth, at the presence of the Lord. At the presence of the God of Jacob. May you not forget that he is the God of... That when he goes in front, the earth trembles, rivers roll back, seas divide. I'm convinced that after those 40 days when when God said, now you're going to wander, the reason was when they wandered every single day for 40 years, that's 12, 13,000 plus days, they had to follow him. And that's what he needed them to do. And that's what he needs us to do. That we may not live in fear, but may live in safety. Psalm chapter 4, verse 8. I don't know if you're having trouble these days, getting a lot of sleep. You're worried about what they're telling you on the news. You're worried about what's going on in your family. You're you're troubled with health problems, or you're troubled with heart problems, or you're troubled with just general anxiety. Psalm chapter 4, verse 8 was Tyler and I's memory verse this week. It says, I will lie down and sleep in peace for you alone. Oh, Lord, make me dwell in safety. The only way to sleep better, the only way to lay your head right down on that pillow tonight and go to sleep like that is by fully trusting in him. That means start trusting in him means start stop trusting yourself so much. Start trusting yourself less. And you'll see what God can do. When we think about our worries and our problems and our struggles, if you're at least from a type A control kind of personality like me, how I handle my struggles and my trials and my worries, and my difficulties and my problems is make a plan. i got to have a plan. I make a plan, figure it out. And do you understand that all of this, this story, Genesis through Malachi over and over and over is God's plan and how much different it was from their plan I mean, of the 12 spies, 10 of them had a plan, and it involved weak people. It involved unwalled cities, and it involved their own military strategy. And God says, "Uh uh-uh, I want you to understand where the wind's going to come from. It's not from you. It's not from your power or ability. It's in me. God says, just trust me. Just do what I say. If the Lord is with you, then you have all you need. The spies had every reason in the world to be afraid without God. But if God was with them, they had absolutely no reason to fear, nor do we. Next week, we're going to finish by our final challenge on staying victorious over the long haul. and How we're going to do that is by staying close. I want to remind you, as you head out after the invitation song, final prayer, there will be folk. the Loft 252 kids will be at each door. Don't forget to pick up your little band and get those in. And just start today. Whatever plan you're on, just start today. Let's get all of Northside committed to daily Bible reading, to be reminded of his promise, to be reminded of his person. Tonight, we're going to talk about the story of a father and how he struggled with faith in Christ. And how what lessons we can learn from that. If you are not in Christ, I want to invite you this morning. Because you can begin today knowing peace. Knowing safety. And walking confidently. Because you ride on the shoulders of the God of Jacob. If you have a need this morning, you're ready to put Christ on. You know who he is and you know you need to. Submit your life to him, and we'll be glad to help you do that and put him on in baptism. But if you're a believer in Christ and you've just become overwhelmed with fear and anxiety and dread, and you need the help of the church to give you courage and strength and want us to pray for you, let us help you with that too. If you have any need, please come as together we stand and sing.